Well, hey everyone. How are you guys doing? Doing well? You're focused, you're quiet, you're zoned in. I, I like it. It's good to see you guys tonight. I'm happy to be here. Glad to be able to come and bring the word. We're just so happy you guys joined us here at Rimrock downtown. And we're just hoping you guys are enjoying this beautiful weekend. And uh, just hope you enjoy just this sweet time of fellowship together. Um, you know, we've been in this series uh, on the gra- gravity of grace. We're transitioning next week. Um, just uh, the audience of one, the next series we got going on. But we've been in this series for a few weeks now. And the whole desire of this series is to help us realize exactly how God's grace is just constantly at work in our lives, um, even without us knowing it. Okay? And I, it, it's like gravity. It pulls us in. It sustains us. It gives us life. It keeps us secure. Um, and, you know, last week, Evan began this discussion on the law and how that fits in. You know, usually we don't talk about law and grace together. You know, because for most of us, I, I think because of the distortion of the law that we may get in the New Testament, or, or at least how we read the New Testament, we don't think that law and grace can go together, right? They're kind of like oil and water, right? And in a sense, I, I suppose that's true because, you know, you can't be saved by law and by grace equally. You know, it's, it's grace that saves us. Um, it's not the law, okay? And hopefully we've made that very clear to you. Hopefully you kind of understand that if you've been through, um, been here. And and if you haven't, hopefully you kind of pick that up through this message today. But uh, however, I believe that when we really take a look at the law, we realize that the law itself is an extension of God's grace. Okay, It, it is good. The law is not bad. Okay. It came from God to allow his people to come before him. It points to the fact that ultimately we need him. It points us to Christ. We can't do this on our own. And it's through his grace that he reveals this to us through his law. Okay. And I mentioned the distortion of the law in the New Testament. I don't mean that the New Testament was, is wrong in how it speaks about the law. But you have to remember the context, right? Um, this was the age of the Pharisees. Okay, who added all sorts of laws and regulations, and it made it even more impossible to follow, uh, all the while forgetting the very heart of the law, and that was to be righteous because God is righteous, to be holy because God is holy, and to live the life that God desired for his people to live, a life of love. So much of what Jesus says and what Paul says regarding the law is more against the Pharisees and their um, uh, how they're so hypocritical when it comes with, um, with talking about the law, okay? But that doesn't make the law bad. Just because the way we might read it, it seems negative. It doesn't make the law bad. And I hope you get a glimpse of that here. I hope you got a glimpse of that last week if you're here. And if not, I hope that you can see that today. The law is good because it came from God. Okay, tonight I want to look more specific though. And I want to look at Jesus and the law. And the way Jesus spoke about it, and the way Jesus related to it, and how it played a role in his very own life. But before we go on, let's, let's go and pray. Father, uh, we just thank you for this, this time together. We thank you that we get to gather together in your name. And Father, I just pray um, that we understand that there is power in your name, like we just sang about. Um, that as your followers, we, are, we, just, we just get to be a part of that. <laughs> through your spirit in us, Father. And I just pray that as we move on through this text tonight, that we just understand who you are more completely because of our understanding of 
of the law, which is a part of who you are. It's a reflection of you. So I just pray that, that we just understand how Jesus viewed the law and how that, what that means for us today as his followers. Uh, more than anything, Father, I just pray that we get a glimpse of your glory. I pray that we just get to praise you for who you are, and that becomes very evident tonight. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so for me, I haven't always known what to do with the law. I'm just being honest with you. As I, you know, when I was younger, um, just growing up, I didn't always know what to do with the law, okay? It, it, you know, it's been this kind of, I, I don't know what the word is, anomaly in my life that I know, I, I know it's there, but I just, I just pretend that it's not really relevant, you know, that it doesn't affect me. Anybody else know what I mean? You know, it's kind of like that junk room that most of us have in our lives, you know, like at our house. You know what room I'm talking about. Okay, the room where you just kind of put everything that you don't know what to do with. It's kind of like that junk room. It's full of things from our past, but that we really don't use anymore, and that we know are there in that room, but we really just don't know what to do with them. So we pretend that that room doesn't exist. You know, it's, it's the door that keeps closed. You know, when guests come over, it's just, it's not there. We pretend it does, you know, that it's not there. Um, it's, uh, but my wife and I, we, we just had a garage sale uh, last week. Anybody guys? Put, do garage sales. Uh, we just, it's the first one we've ever done since we've been married. Um, but, but we've lived here for three years now, and we, we've had a couple of those type of rooms in our lives, right? You know, we, we put stuff in there, like when we moved here three years ago, and when we moved, and we just kind of left it there. Now, by the way, my wife is a, keeps a very clean house, okay? I don't want to make you sound like we have a mess, we have a messy house. But, uh, you know, we just had a few extra storage rooms in our, uh, that were, where we had put things in our house. And so, but as we were preparing for this garage sale, we, we began to go through those rooms and to look at the things that we thought we didn't need anymore to sell. And the truth is, is that we found a lot of stuff we didn't need. And we filled up a couple carloads of stuff, brought it over to our friend's house to, that we're, we're redoing the garage sale. But, but not all of it, right? We found things that were stored away that even though we lived without them the past three years, we realized they had value. Um, and, and even though we'd, we'd kind of forgot that they were there. You know, maybe the, maybe the kind of value that they had for us has changed, but value nonetheless. And I think that's what many of us do, starting with myself, it's what many of us do with the law. Can anybody relate to that? And we, we know it's there, but we don't know what to do with it. We just, we think it's outdated or irrelevant to our lives. But what we find when we dive into it is something of so much value because it is from God himself. And anything that's from God himself is a gift it's a reflection of him. It's good. Now, while Evan talked about um, this last week, what I want to do tonight is, like I already mentioned, is to look at Jesus and the law. Because I think it's vitally important for us as, as the followers of Jesus to, to put on the same mindset that Christ himself had with the law. You know, that only makes sense, right? You know, since we are his followers trying to live our lives like Christ, as him, him as our rabbi, as our teacher, that, that we should want to think the way that he does, especially with, with something as big and important in the life of God's people as the law. But there, there's a few things we need to talk about first, right? First of all, the law was for the Jews, okay? The Jews were God's people, and God established the law during the days of Exodus for them to have an idea of how to, how to live holy, what that looks like, because God is holy, Right? This law was added to with, with new covenants, but the heart of the law and its purposes remain the same throughout. I can go into way more detail there. That's just kind of a very quick glimpse at it, okay? So law was for God's people, the Jews. And Jesus, if you did not know, was a Jew, okay? 
I think sometimes we just assume that Jesus was a Christian like us. But, but if we know the timeline of things, that doesn't really make sense. You know, but, but Jesus was a Jew, okay? He was a law-abiding follower of Yahweh. He lived out the law, and he lived it out perfectly. And so since he did this, he must have believed and known that it was a law worth following. The fact that he gave his life to following the law shows that it was probably pretty important to him, right? So maybe, just maybe, we should approach it from a sim- similar point of view. I think that this is so important for us to remember because Jesus didn't just come in and say, this law is stupid, okay? It's outdated, forget it, let's move on, let's just go past, let's go to the next thing. No, he lived it out perfectly in his own life, which takes intentional effort and zeal, so much so that he was the one, only one person that has ever been able to do it perfectly. Jesus spoke about this on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we're going to look in there today. If you just want to open up your Bibles to, to Matthew chapter 5 bring some clarity to this. If you're confused right now, it'll make sense, okay? Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 17. Um, While you're turning there, uh, so you guys know, the Sermon on the Mount is, it's a pretty famous sermon that Jesus spoke while he was preaching to a crowd of people on a hillside outside of um, where we believe was Capernaum. Uh, In this sermon, he he made a number of bold claims that kind of set the stage for his ministry going forward. Like, it was kind of that first big hurrah that just, like, made a lot of claims that as he moved forward, he elaborated on, and he really um, made an emphasis with them in his ministry, okay? It really was a catalyst or kind of a basic overview of much of what he was going to do and teach um, as, as, and continue to establish moving forward in his ministry. Now, many of these teachings were kind of offensive to people. But they, ha- they held strong to the spirit of the law and the heart of God. It's amazing how people still use the Sermon on the Mount today. You know, even like secular psychiatrists and counselors have given credits, credit to its teachings as a way of freedom in people's lives. But in this sermon, this issue of the law was one of the very first things Jesus decided to talk about. Uh, starting in verse 17, it says this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or, or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of pen will be by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Okay, so Jesus states this pretty straightforward, right? He did not come to abolish the law. In fact, he says he came to fulfill it. So what does that mean? I think it's really important to look at what did Jesus mean by that. First, let's look at what it means to abolish the law. That was the first thing he said. I did not come to abolish the law. Many people believe that this means to just get rid of it, right? And in a way, that is true. But let's look at some context here. Jewish teachers and authorities spoke and taught that, um, that one abolished the law by disobeying it. Okay, and this partially comes out of Deuteronomy 27, 26, um, which says, Cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of the law by carrying them out, then all the people shall say, Amen. And if one disobeyed the law, they are in essence rejecting the authority of, of the law, therefore they are rejecting God himself. Okay, so there's no way that Jesus came to abolish the law because the law is from God. It is good. And there's no way the Son of God was going to go and reject God himself. That really doesn't make any sense, does it? You know, like, you can't really reject your own identity and authority. You know, that, that would make for a huge identity crisis. He claimed to be the Son of God, to have the authority of God from God. So why would he make the, that claim that, and reject that very 
that claim by standing against the law and authority of the very God he is claiming to be. Yeah, that's like tongue twister, right? He wouldn't. It just doesn't make sense. My head hurts just thinking about it. We have to like draw a map up here to like the circles that that makes. It just wouldn't make sense for him to, to abolish the law, the very authority that he says that he has. If someone who was a Jew rejected the law and therefore rejected God, that person would have been thrown completely out of the Jewish community because it would reject everything they stood for. It's, not, it's more than just breaking the law. It's rejecting its authority. Okay, and that's, that's what Jesus said. I didn't come to do that, guys. The law is God's authority. I'm not rejecting it. I'm not throwing it out. So, well, if that's true, maybe Jesus was just saying that the law was no longer in force, right? It's just no longer in play. It used to be, but it's out of date. Um, it, you know, it should be thrown out, you know, thrown back into the closet, into our junk room, right? You know, that would have almost been worse than rejecting it altogether because it would still be accepting its authority but saying that God's character has changed, which would be total blasphemy. Or it would be saying, you know, it is God's authority. I just don't really care anymore. That would have almost been worse. So what we see here in Matthew 5.18 is that Jesus was not opposing the law but rather the illegitimate interpretation of it that stressed regulations more than character, the character of God's followers. That's kind of what the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees cared way more that the people were following every little regulation that, w- that they had set, that they ignored the point of the law, which was to be holy because God is holy and to love because God is love so that they could live in the graces and in, the re- in a relationship with the Lord Almighty. So what does Jesus say? He says, I'm not here to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And that's exactly what he did. He obeyed the law perfectly. He fulfilled it. He didn't let even the smallest of the laws go unfulfilled in his life. And through this, he showed that the law has an underlying principle to it. And that we are all called to total commitment to it, rather than just an outward acknowledgement of it and obedience to it. Okay? Now let me say that again. Jesus was committed to the law. The Pharisees... We're just being obedient to it. And I think there's a very essential difference there, okay? Jesus was committed to the law because it was at the heart of who God is for his, and who he wanted his people to be. He lived it out as a part of who he was, not just something that he had to do. You see, Jesus found relationship with God in the law because he fulfilled it completely. He lived to the holy standard God set. And through that, he found relationship with God himself. You know, it it was something that he didn't feel like God God said, oh, you have to do this or I'm going to love you. No, he got to do it because it's a part of who he was as God's people. Okay, and obedience to it, like the Pharisees had, is kind of just a checklist that's missing the point and the heart of it. So to better understand this, I want to look at two very important truths, okay? The first is this. God desires and demands holiness from his people. We cannot pretend that this is not true. When, he first, when God first established the law, God's people had already been identified as his people, okay? And being his people, God desires them to be holy because he is holy. And that only makes sense. God is holy, and he can't be a part of something that is unholy. So his followers must be holy as well, right? The law then helps God's people to live in a holy manner. It sets the standard, a standard that reflects the heart and holiness of God himself. So really... It was for the benefit of God's people. Jesus understood this. 
And he lived it out completely, completely, fulfilling every word of it. Because this was the heart of God, and as God's people, out of relationship with him, that was the only thing that really made sense to do. So Jesus did it. He fulfilled the law completely. He said, God, I get this. We are your people. You are holy. We are called to live holy so we can be in relationship with you. This is a part of who we are. You have made this a part of who we are. So we're going to live it out. The second thing I want to look at, though, is that the law, however, was a curse. Galatians 3, chapter 10, or I'm sorry, Galatians 3, verse 10, there we go, through 14 states this. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit of God. You see, the law set a standard that in the flesh, no one can truly obtain. The law is full of things that are unnatural to our human fleshly instinct, okay? Our natural desires are anything but holy. Has anybody ever figured that out in your own life? Okay, we desire to sin in our flesh. We desire to be, to be selfish in our flesh. We desire to rule over ourselves, to rule over others, to decide what is truth and what is authority for me. But just because something is natural doesn't mean it is good. So the law has set a standard of living that no one was able to fulfill until Christ came. And we read his words, I have not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And that's exactly what he did. The real curse of the law is that it points us to the fact that we cannot do it on our own. It's a burden, it's a weight that, cannot be, that, we, that we cannot manage because we as a people are broken. It points us to the fact that we need a Savior. That only, by, only our faith in such a Savior can save us. But in Christ, we, have, we are no longer under that curse because we, have, or we already have that Savior in Jesus himself. Jesus became the curse for us by taking on the weight of our sins and and our shortcomings so that we may receive the promises of God. Okay, I know this is, talking about this is kind of heavy stuff, right? It's it's like your brains are turning, it's a lot of information. But what I want you to really walk away with today is the understanding that the law wasn't broken, so Jesus had to come and fix it. What I hope you walk away with is realizing that we are the ones who are broken. The law says that we must live with perfection, but because we are broken in our flesh, that's impossible. We are sinners. No one is the exception to that fact except for Jesus. All have fallen short of the glory of God except for one, and that was Christ himself. John 1.17 says this, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus knew we were broken, so he came to fulfill the law, to live it out perfectly, and to become the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, so that in Christ the law is fulfilled through Jesus, so that in Christ we receive grace and truth. That's what Jesus came to bring to us. The law is good, okay? So good 
Uh, Jesus didn't want to change any of it, okay? He didn't even try. Because God doesn't change. That wasn't even on Jesus' radar because changing the law doesn't even make sense when we understand who our God is. Okay, it, it is still ref, it still reflected his holiness and his character. But he wanted to make a way that even in our brokenness, we are made complete through, made complete through Jesus as our Savior. Which brings us back to grace. Grace does not abolish the law. The very law God gave his people was an extension of his grace. What grace does, though, is it says, if you put your faith in Jesus as the one who truly fulfilled the law, that lived it out perfectly, if you put your faith in him as the son of God who paid the price for your sins, then his perfect life and his perfect sacrifice will now be your identity. You will no longer be identified by your shortcomings, by your sins, by your inability to fulfill the law, or by your brokenness, but by the perfection of who Jesus was and is. Jesus is now the perfection, the fulfillment of the law that is and always will be. We just don't have to earn it on our own anymore, which is perfect because none of us can. So here's what I want you to to do. I want to go back, I want you to go back to the storage room and find the law that's kind of sitting there. And I want you to open it up to the heart and meaning of God's grace in your life. What does the law mean for you today? Well, it means that we can start worrying about our relationship and our commitment to God rather than some checklist that's impossible to fulfill. Does that mean that we don't have to worry about the law anymore? Well, it means that we have a Holy Spirit in our lives and God's truth to help us find those answers. I want to look at one of those answers right now. I want you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. It says this, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Talking about Jesus. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Okay, so Jesus, living in the law and the Spirit, perfectly, remember, was asked, what was the greatest commandment of all? The goat, right? G-O-A-T, greatest of all time. And his response is something that should speak volumes to each and every one of us today about the heart of the law. The greatest commandment of all is to love God. You hear that? That's the greatest commandment that God ever gave. You you know a big heavy Bible you lug around? Greatest commandment ever given there was to love God. Which means... It is at the very heart of the law, of his grace, and of who we are as his people. The greatest commandment we have ever been given is to love God, our good heavenly Father who sent his son Jesus to die for us lowly cursed sinners. He demanded perfection because he is perfection, and we kept messing it up. But because he loved us, he said, I've got this. And he sent his son Jesus to suffer and to die a horrible, horrible death for us so that we can be perfected. Our greatest commandment is just to love him in return. What a deal is that? 
this God of grace, of beauty, of perfection, that, that's our calling as his people. We are privileged to love God with our hearts, which is everything that's like deep inside of ourselves, with our souls, giving all of our spiritual identity to, identity to him, with our minds, loving him through how we think and what we spend our time thinking of and, and using our intelligence and our giftedness. And, um, that, that he, he's the one that gave us anyways and our strength, all the power and energy that we have. What a privilege it is to give everything over in love to, to the God who loved us more fiercely and deeply than anyone can possibly ima- imagine. That's a privilege. He goes on to say, the second is like it. Love your neighbor. Wait, what? You mean it, it isn't following some long list of rules that make life really boring? Nope. Love God and love others. That's the heart of the law. Love. You see, this law that so many of us have shoved into the storage rooms of our hearts is all about loving today. Loving God and loving others in our lives, in all that we do, in all that we say, all that we think, serve, talk, all of it. We are called to love. What's the law mean for us today? Love. It doesn't sound so bad, does it? It doesn't sound awful, like this thing that we should pretend's not there. I think it sounds pretty great. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go dive into your Bibles and start following all the laws that God gave, gave to the Jewish people. That's not the point of the message today, because we're not Jewish, we're not. And God gives us a greater, uh, a different, I shouldn't say greater, a different covenant of law because he becomes that perfection for us. Uh, but that isn't, so that's not the message, the point of the message. God gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us, his word to teach and encourage us, and the church to walk through this together. What we are called to do, though, no matter what, is to live out the heart of the law, and that's to love as fiercely as we can. Love God with every ounce of of ourselves, to, and to deny our flesh and embrace this new identity that he gave us. And through that, we get to also love those around us because that's a reflection of loving God, right? And guys, believe me, we have a world that really, really needs to feel that love today. They're desperate for it. They search for it everywhere, and everyone's just crying out and trying to replace it in their lives with other things, and it just leads to more brokenness. Remember, Jesus did not come to just come get rid of the law. He came to fulfill it, and that's exactly what he did. And he did so because he is holy, and so he would become the ultimate sacrifice for all who put their faith in him. We cannot do it on our own, and we should not try. And even more than that, living a life of loving God and loving others leads us to the best possible existence that we can have. That's the heart of the whole thing. It's like, hey, love God, love others. That is the best possible existence God gives us in our world, in our lives today. And for all, that's what it always has been. Who wouldn't want to live a life of love? Right now in our world, guys, I don't think, I don't think that many people see this kind of love when they look at the church. Be honest. What do you think? I think we mean well. I'm not saying we're not doing things to, to help reshape that. And a lot of, you know, some of that, it's hard to like take full credit, you know, or responsibility for. But 
but to a point, it's, a lot of it I think we can, guys. I don't think that many people are seeing love when they look at the church. I think more people know what we, more what we are against rather than what we are for. I think many Christians know more about what we are against than what we're for. And this is so sad because what we are for is exactly what this world needs, and that's the love of God lived out in all of our lives, expressed both to him and out to others. A love that was fully expressed and, and put into practice through Jesus Christ dying on a cross because we needed him. So that's what I want to challenge you with tonight, church. I'm talking about Jesus and the law. To live out the heart of the law that Jesus lived out. A commitment to God, to love him, and to love the people in this world. That's what Jesus was all about. A commitment to God, to love him, and to love the people of this world. What an amazing calling that is. What a privilege that is. What an amazing God we have. I just think our purpose is to love. I mean, think about that. God created us to worship and glorify and love him and to love others. It's the greatest possible existence we can have. And Jesus showed that to us perfectly. So I just pray as we think about the law, as we move on to our next series, I, just, I guess I hope you just get that, that you just understand that the law is good because it is God's heart. But Jesus made a way possible for all, all of us to not be under that curse, to not say, all right, I got to earn this, but to say, I've got this for you. Now go and love. Love God, worship him, glorify him, and love other people. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the glorious purpose that you gave us. Father, I thank you for the sacrifice you made on the cross. How you lived out this purpose of the law perfectly. You fulfilled it and you loved, you loved God. You loved others so much that you died for them on a cross. You died for us on a cross when we were so unworthy. We're the ones that put you up on that cross. Father, I pray that we understand that the law is good, but that we're not held underneath it anymore. We're called to live in your grace, and that's what we're going to talk about as we move forward in the next sec- uh, series that we're going to be doing, that we just understand what it means to live in that grace, to, to, to have this audience of one that we're, just, we're striving to, to live for in all areas of our life. But Father, we just thank you for just making us to love you and love others. What a great privilege and calling that is. And we just thank you for that. We praise you for that. We glorify you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.